Amen. Amen. Uh, I'd like to begin by honoring the man of the house, our pastor, Pastor Kwame. Um, the Bible makes us to understand that when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. And we have to understand that we honor the Father, we honor Christ, when we honor the gift that he has given. So, for that, sir, we honor you. Um, I honor the leadership of the house, Sarah's man. You know yourselves. I honor you <laughs> in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And please turn to your neighbor and say, you are highly favored and you are honored too. Please. You are highly favored and you are honored. No, just as when the Lord ascended, he gave gifts unto men. You have to understand that he found you so important that he had to give you a gift. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are important. That Jesus had you on his mind. And he had to let go of gifts just so that you could be blessed. Amen. Amen. So we understand that there is a duty, therefore, an important duty, that though we recognize and honor those around us that he has called gifts, but the reason why he gave those gifts, the reason why he gave them, was so that we all could be mature. So that we all could develop into the person that is Christ. 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 And without that understanding, sometimes we allow some things that can be petty get into the way. You know, this, um, yes, we can allow some things that are petty get into the way. This past few weeks, uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we've uh, been teaching prayer, but focusing more specifically on forgiveness. And I feel it was a timely message so that we don't just see those around us in a light that makes them feel disposable. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not disposable. You are indisposable. Because even Jesus will go for that one that is lost. He would leave the 99 behind and go for the one that is lost. So turn to your neighbor and say, you are indisposable. And then tell them that your friend that you feel you no longer need. It's also indisposable. Turn to them. In whatever way that that person you probably have left behind, who is a brother, you've said, ah, I heard this said once. It's been hard to repeat it ever I heard it said. You are dead to me. Tell them, no one is dead to me. Amen. Say it. Did you say that before? No one is dead to me. Amen. We are brothers and we are sisters. And Christ 
is what we reflect. So therefore, we will honor him in word and in deed. Amen. Let's just raise up our hands and say, Father, I honor you in word and in deed. According to the grace that you have given. And according to your life that is at work in me. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are before you. We are asking you to use this lips, O oh Lord of clay, and let it be your life and the ministration of Christ that comes forth. We are all here to get fed by your word and by your spirit. And we definitely want to grow in maturity. So in whatever area that we are lacking, Lord, have your way. Let the right words come. Let the person that is preaching not preach his own ideas or thoughts. And if there are things in his mind that will corrupt your message, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, let it be, let it be eradicated. Let it be taken away. That only your purity, your pure life, your, 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 your pure thoughts will come forth and that the people will be blessed and they will see Christ and Christ alone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 If you believe it, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Um, by God's grace and God's enabling power, today we are going to be talking about to be led, the place of the Holy Spirit. To be led, the place of the Holy Spirit. And because I've been um, granted this honor of starting this series of, um, I would say, uh, temptation, lead us not into temptation, um, I would have to start by at least giving a brief definition of what temptation is, and then we go from, we go from there and focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in helping us in times of temptation. So what is temptation? What is temptation? According to Luke chapter 11, verse 4, Luke chapter 11, verse 4, we can go there and just quickly read the portion of the scripture. Luke 11, verse 4, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and do not lead us into temptation. Do not lead us into temptation. Now, the word temptation there, actually signifies a proving, a proving by experiment, experience, discipline, or provocation. A proving. In other words, you're being tested, tested by something, tested. Now, it's important to keep this at the back of our minds that a man does not sin when he is tempted. A man does not sin when he is tempted. In fact, we are tempted based on desire. Who is, who is, who is, why are we tempted? Why are we tempted? Why are we tempted? James chapter 1 verse 14, James chapter 1 verse 14 says this. He says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Another version would say he's, 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 he's drawn away by his own lusts. As long as you are a man, 
or woman. As long as you are a man or woman with desires, you will be tested. You will be tempted. So temptation is being drawn away, being enticed by desires. But, but that in itself, the temptation in itself, the enticing in itself is not a sin. Because we all have desires. We all have appetites. Now, the sin there is yielding to that temptation. The sin is yielding to that temptation. Who is the tempter? Who is the tempter? James chapter 1 verse 13, verse 13, James chapter 1 verse 13 says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. In other words, God does not tempt. And what he is saying here is that God has a consistent nature. If he cannot be tempted, he does not tempt with evil. It also means this. God does not employ evil in the tempting of his children. Because he is consistent with his nature. It is like saying this. As a man of integrity, I am going to start a business. I'm a man of integrity. Right? That's an example. Some people here might not be, uh, I'm, a, uh, okay, I, I'm a man of integrity. Now, when I want to start a business, my utmost desire is to find what? A man of integrity that I can entrust. Why? Only when two people agree can they work together. I will not look for a man without integrity and say, I will entrust to you my whole business. That's impossible. God does not employ in his service what does not flow from him. He is consistent with his nature. He is consistent with his nature. So this is why James asks in James chapter 3 verse 11, can both fresh and bitter water come from the same fountain? It's impossible. It's impossible. So we see in the scriptures, when Christ was talking about himself, he says, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. But the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he uses evil to do that. So each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. But lusts come from our desires and our appetites. John chapter 2 verse 16. John chapter 2 verse 16. John chapter 2 verse 16. In, in John chapter 2 verse 16, we see John summarizing the different types of temptation. The different types of temptation. In John chapter, sorry, 1 John chapter 2 verse 16. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16. And he says this, 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So he's, we see John here summarizing temptation into three phases. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything that is called temptation is encapsulated into those three. So for us to look and say, okay, why temptation? Why study temptation and understand what the impact that temptation would have in life? You see, when you study temptation, you come to the realization that you hate, you hate sin with a passion. Not because of a high-mindedness, holiness type thing, but because of the effect that sin has, has, has dealt with on man. What sin has done makes you to hate it with a passion. Sin has destroyed the position that each and every one of us was supposed to have without any fear of intimidation. Sin has taken away a life eternal in the flesh and he has given us death because it is the introduction of sin that brought forth death. If not for Christ, if not for Christ, because all that was stolen was restored in him, but if not for him, but everything about sin, it should be despised and hated from the core of your being. The thought of sin, the thought of sin, Even when Christ was praying, when he was saying, I don't want this cup, do we understand that it was because of sin? Because of sin. Sin brought in the greatest enemy of man, death. Now when I say death, please don't think about the body. Think about separation from God. When he was praying, it's like, I cannot do this. Take this cup away from me. For someone that had lived consistently in the presence of God, consistently without any breakage, he was always in communion with the Father. Even everything that he did, he said, it is not I that does this. It is the Father in me that does this. Every time he ministered, he said, hey, don't look at me. Even someone came to him and said, good teacher. He said, no, don't call me good. No one is good except the father. He was basically saying, it is the father. It is the father. And then he was being told to drink the cup of separation. Because that was what sin is. It was the cup of separation. So when you think temp temptation, think separation. A breaking away from consistent, uninterrupted fellowship with the Father. Remember, it has to be in the eyes, in the sight, the focus. Is that restored relationship? Because that's the only reason Christ came. To restore us into the family of God. Uninterrupted relationship. So let's look at the origin. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. But we'll just be reading from verses 4 to 6 today. Genesis chapter 3, from verses 4 to 6. 
the, the, the serpent was enticing Eve. Well, Adam was with her too, but let's say, <laughs> let's say Eve. <laughs> because you see it to her husband, who was with her, but let's just say Eve. And then the serpent is responding to Eve's response that uh, if she eats or touches the tree, the fruit, she will die. Then says, no, you will not die. The serpent said to the woman, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it. Oh, yes, it was the two of them. So, men, please, don't look at her. Uh, don't get off that high horse. <laughs> because we were there, too. <laughs> oh, yes, the woman you gave me. He didn't say, though I was with her. <laughs> now, verse 5. Now, let's see. Remember, we said the three, the loss of the eye, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, the pride of life. The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, the pride of life. How do we see the loss of the flesh here? The tree was good for food. The loss of the eyes, it was a delight to the eyes. The pride of life, the tree was desirable to make one wise. You see that progression. First, good for it's good for my body, good for food. Then, oh, what a beauty. And then, I'm going to be as wise as God. You know, someone said this. If you have light and you are looking for light, you end up in darkness. If you have light, you are looking for light, you end up in darkness. What am I saying? In chapter 1, they were made in whose image? In the image of God. Then the devil comes and says, you will be like God. It's because he knows you will be. You are already like God. Yet you want to be like God. And then what happens eventually? They lose God. They had light. They had life. But then they were looking for... <laughs> and what happened? They ended up in darkness. See, what the enemy always tries to do is to make you think you don't have what you already have. What the enemy tries to do, and it's only because pastor said I should say it again, <laughs> is to make you think you don't have what you already have. The Bible says, you know, there's actually a scripture in the Bible that says, all things are yours. All things. And then, then there's another that says, he's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. So what are we looking for? Why would we go? Someone said false prophet today. To a prophet to say, 
prophesy, Papa. Go deeper, Papa. Oh, yes. I, I watch all those things. Pro prophesy, Papa. And then you see, should I prophesy? Prophesy, Papa. Should I prophesy? Prophesy, Papa. <laughs> Go deeper, Papa. <laughs> when you are looking for a word in the mouth of a man, when he has given you the person, the generator of life to dwell on your inside, there is a deception going on somewhere. The spirit of God has been given. The spirit of God has been given. As the Bible says, as a seal, as a seal, he has stamped us and said, you are mine. And that stamp is the spirit of God. Saying, bought and purchased by Jesus. Bought and purchased by Jesus. Bought and purchased by Jesus. What that means in effect is restored to full fellowship with the Father. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the love of God. The fellowship of the Holy Ghost. You know what fellowship is? It, fellowship basically means leveler. A leveler. We can communicate on the same level. Fellowship of the Holy Ghost. So that is what that new nature is. Only because Jesus, because of you and I, looked at that cup and said, I will drink this cup and suffer separation so that they all can enjoy what I enjoy with you, Father. So, even Christ was tempted. And he was tempted because he was fully a man. Remember, we all as men have desires. And an offshoot of that is that we have appetites. And because of that, we can be tempted. And since we all as men can be tempted, the man, Christ Jesus, was tempted. That is one particular evidence that makes him fully a man. Thank you. Fully a man. Let's open to Luke chapter 4. And let's read from verse 3. Luke chapter 4, we read from verse 3 to 11. From verse 3 to 11. And he says, The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered to him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. When was it given? When Adam fell. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus said, and Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem 
had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you. And they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Verse 11. Is that verse 11? Can you go on? Verse 12. The devil said, God... And Jesus answered him, it is said, do not test the Lord your God. Now, remember we said the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The first temptation, <laughs> display your power since you are God's son. Flaunt it. If you, have you heard it before? If you have it, what? Flaunt it. Let them know that someone has entered town. Let them know a big boy is in town. <laughs> let them know that the one who has power, let, let, it, let, it, let it show, let it show, let it show. I, I've arrived. The second temptation, the lust of the eyes, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He showed him splendor. The third temptation, pride of life. Those of us that come from back home, if you know the angels by my side, on their left and on their right, is a garrison around me, right? I've got a garrison of angels that tend to me. I am big. I am the commander of all the angels. So we see here the three phases of temptation. That's anything that we are going to be enticed with. It's going to either be lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or pride. But then, in Luke chapter 1 verse 2, we see the work of the Holy Ghost in the life of Christ. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And I'm just going to be speaking on three ways the Holy Ghost helps us out of temptation. Three ways. I'm just going to be focusing on three ways. Then, this was before he was tempted. See here, he says, Then Jesus returned from the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit. Can we all repeat that? Full of the Holy Spirit. Can we repeat that again? Full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. This, he says, to be tempted. But it's actually because he was being tempted, he was sent there. He was led there to the, holy, to the, to the wilderness. So the Holy Ghost led Jesus into the wilderness because he was being tempted by the devil. Now, what is the wilderness? I'm going to just run through this, so please forgive me. The wilderness is a place of darkness and uncertainty. It's a place of dryness. It can be a place of supernatural provision. The, the, the wilderness is a place of testing. The wilderness is a place where natures are revealed. 
We see here that Jesus, the nature of Christ was revealed when he was being tested. We see there the true nature. It says, the wilderness is a place of transition. Though he was tested there, he did not reside in the wilderness. He had to be taken out of the wilderness after the victory. And also the wilderness, it can be a place of testimony, but no glory is experienced. If you look at Luke chapter 4 verse 14, immediately after he was tempted, Luke chapter 4 verse 14. Luke chapter 4 verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. Why? Because he had overcome the temptation. Full of the Spirit as led by the Spirit of God. Two. The Holy, the Holy Spirit gave Christ the right word response for each temptation. It was because he was full of the Holy Spirit that the word of God came forth alive in him. Ready to penetrate and destroy every word of enticement that the enemy gave. gave. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this. The word of God is living and active, sharper than every two-edged sword, present to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, even to the joints and the marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is a discerner. It discerns. It helps you to know truth. It helps you to know truth. It is living. It is active. You know, a while ago, pastor was teaching a Bible study. He said, rightly, uh, rightly, rightly dividing, being able to, to being, being equipped, I'm, I'm missing the word, distinguish, being able to distinguish right from wrong. That is what the word of God helps you to do. It tells you, it makes you to understand, though this is coming to you, it's not as it seems. Because ordinarily, you're hungry, I can just make the bread into the, the bread from stone. But it, it discerns and says, come, this is a temptation. This is evil. In fact, if you think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it speaks of confusion. It speaks of confusion. It looks good, but its intent is evil. It looks good, but its intent is evil. It's a knowledge, a corruption. And that's why when, when Moses was teaching, he wanted people to be able to dissect right from wrong. So he said, never mix. Never mix. Never go for good and evil. Never do mixture. And also, Ephesians 6 verse 17 calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. So the Holy Ghost equips you with the right word response. Now I'm going very fast. In fact, I'm almost done. The Holy Ghost, this is point number three, helps us to pray so that our faith will be effective. Helps us to pray so that our faith will be effective. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray so that our faith will be effective. If we look at Luke chapter 22 verse 31, Luke chapter 22 verse 31, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. So it is that prayer that saved Simon, even at the end when he had fallen. It restored him. The Lord gave him that protective banner through his prayer and intercession for Simon. So when we pray, there is a banner. There is something that is released into us, injected into us, so that our faith will not fail. So that there will be a response even to every, enemy, to every attack from the enemy. The Lord will inject that faith through you. But it requires prayer. It requires the sacrifice of prayer. James chapter 5 verse 16. Effective prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man 
avails much. Of a righteous man avails much. We have to learn that it is when we press in the place of prayer that our countenance changes. That there is something that is generated in the atmosphere. Prayer. The work of the Holy Ghost in prayer. Romans 8.26 We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit intercedes for us. Now, we are done. But we need to say this. We are done. Message is over. We need to say this. If you are here and you do not have the benefit, you have not experienced what it means to press in prayer as, as, as the utterance is given by the Holy Ghost, please, don't live here today. Don't miss out on something so effortless because it is no longer you doing the prayer. But the Holy Ghost is helping you. He's giving you an utterance that you, that you do not even have a thing, a thing to, to say, ah, that was me. Yes, I, I, I prayed. No, he's helping you to speak mysteries and he's generating power on the inside. Generating power on the inside. Build up yourselves in your most holy faith. But that only occurs when we pray in the spirit. In that unknown utterance. In an unknown tongue. So please, if you are here and you do not have that benefit, please do not leave till you are endued with power. Please, let's rise up.